Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Today we begin a brand new series called Trust. And I believe that God is going to do some amazing things in our lives in 2017. I believe this is going to be a year that we will not soon forget. I think it's going to be a groundbreaking year for many of us. And I'm not just talking about that new sanctuary. Again, I'm talking about groundbreaking in our, in our spirits and in our lives. Um, in order for us to receive the greatest blessings that we've ever experienced, I believe it's going to take the greatest faith that we've ever had. And I do know this, the blessings come with faith. They do. Uh, Jeremiah 17 and 7 says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And so we, when we trust in the Lord, we're blessed. When we put our confidence in God, we are blessed. In this room right now, there are many New Year's resolutions. Some of you, you've already given up on yours. Your goal was to, to lose 50 pounds and you've gained five since the first of the year. And so you just threw that right out the window and it's done. It's over with, right? Uh, but others, you're still holding strong and, and you're holding on to that resolution. But, but here's what I know. God has one resolution this year. That's it. God has one resolution. For, for each and every one of us, his resolution is the same. What God wants for our lives is the same. And it's this, that we would trust him more. That's it. Year after year after year, that's what God wants from our lives. He wants us to trust him more. And so the goal of this is, is for us to trust God more in 2017 than we did in 2016. Because by the time we get to 2018, we've got to take another step of faith. We've got to learn to trust God even more. And for some of you, this is going to be huge because you trusted God greatly in 2016. But for others, you're at a different place with your walk, and that's okay. And it's going to be baby steps. It's just learning to trust God in those first baby steps of your faith. And that's okay. But just know this. You have to keep walking with God. You can't stand still. You can't trust God the same, this year, the, the same way this year as you did last year or next year the same way you did this year. You've got to continue to grow in your faith and continue to trust God more and more and more. And so that's what God wants out of our lives this year, for us to trust him more. I once had this, uh, this nice barbecue grill that stayed on my back porch. Uh, it, it was nice. I don't know how many burners it was, but you know, big stainless steel grill and, and it, it was really nice. And for, for about five, five and a half years, it was on my back porch. And, and, and I noticed around the bottom edge of it that there was some surface rust around the bottom. And, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll eventually get to that. You know, nothing that a little wire brush, a little sanding and some rust-oleum or something, you know, just easy to fix. But it was on one of those things uh, or, or one of those lists, those I'll get around to it lists that you never get around to. That's, that's what it was. And I never got around to it. I never, never thought about fixing it. And so uh, I remember this one day I was in my backyard and I was, I was pressure washing the fence in my backyard. And uh, I got done fairly quick, and I turned around, looked at my, my porch, looked at the concrete up on my porch, and I thought, that, that needs to be pressure washed. So I go over there, and I start pressure washing the concrete on my back porch, and, and I moved my grill. It had wheels, and I just wheeled it out of the way. And when, when I did, I noticed this big stain, this rust stain on the concrete underneath my grill. 
And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, this is more serious than what I thought. This is more than just surface rust now. And so I took the grill and, and I lifted it up off the concrete onto the grass. And when I did, it felt like the whole bottom of this grill fell out. One wheel was just left there, just, just detached from the rest of the grill. There's just a hole in the bottom of, of, of my grill. And there's no way this is there. And when I put it on the grass, now it is sitting. Um, it, it's a word that I, I, I learned. It's called cattywampus. Anybody ever heard the word cattywampus? I never thought it was a word. I actually had to look it up. Uh, I was taught this word by our administrative pastor's wife, Deanna. Deanna taught me the word cattywampus and she's an English teacher. So I thought, you know, this is, this is a good word to use. And, um, and so cattywampus. Now, cattywampus is, is some kind of beast, too. I looked that up, and I, I don't know what that is. But, but cattywampus is when something is just not sitting, it's just not sitting quite right. You know, it's, it's off balance. It's, uh, it's crooked. It's, uh, it's unstable. It's cattywampus. So when I say it like that, now you understand the word cattywampus, right? So my grill was now cattywampus. It, it, it just looks strange. Obviously, I had waited too long to fix the surface rust and now it was fully rusted out on the bottom of this grill the top was fine the top was was okay but this grill would never set up straight ever again surface rust is flaky and friable and it provides no protection to the underlying metal Surface rust, when left unattended, it, it, it will cause more destruction to what is underneath whether the surface is a barbecue grill or, or if it's a car, it has the potential to do some real damage down deep. And the same can be said of surface trust. Surface trust. To say that you believe in something and then live life like you don't can cause more damage than you expected. To say, I believe in this, but then you don't, you don't support that with your actions at all. Sur- surface trust is flaky and friable, and it provides no protection to what is underneath. But not only can it be harmful to you, it can also be harmful to those watching you. Brennan Manning once said these words. He said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle, that is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Now we hear a quote like that and immediately we think about lifestyle choices. You know, drinking and smoking, using foul language, things that can dam- damage your, t- your testimony, you know. But, but what we fail to realize is that there is an unbelieving world watching Surface trust will not only mess up what's going on inside of us, surface trust will damage those that are watching from the outside. We say that we want them to put their faith in our God, in our Savior. But the real question, church, is this. Do we have faith in our Savior? Do we have true faith in our Savior? Do we trust Him? And I'm concerned that way too many Christians, including me sometimes, I'm concerned that way too many Christians believe in a God that they don't trust. That we acknowledge Him, we talk about Him, but the way that we live our lives says that we don't trust Him with the outcome of our lives. 
On the surface, we talk a good game. On the surface, we come to church regularly. On the surface, we worship publicly. On the surface, we say what we are supposed to say. Some of us, we've really got the church lingo down. We know how to talk Christianese. We've got it. We get it. We understand what all of that is. But it's really got to get beyond this and get down deep inside, get into your heart to where you really believe what you are talking about. Because here's what happens so many times in our lives. When the odds are stacked against us, we collapse. We're like that, that, that rusted out grill. We collapse. Our surface trust has destroyed the faith that was once inside of us. And so today, I want us to get beyond that. I want us to repair that surface trust. When we walk out of this room today, I want us to have deep trust. Trust that, that comes up out of our faith and says that God, no matter what I'm going through, I believe you're going to bring me through this. If you will, turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read a number of verses. We're going to skip around a little bit, so just follow along. Numbers 13 verse 1. It reads, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. Now go down to verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev, go up into the hill country, and see what the land is, and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Now go to verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However... The people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons, sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Chapter 14, verse 1 says, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or, that, or would that we had died in this wilderness? 
Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. The English word that we use for trust comes from the old Norse word, trista, meaning to rely on or have confidence in. Trust. Trust is something that we experience with friends and family, with our spouse. Trust is something we experience with a good job. We trust that it's going to provide for us, to give us the paycheck that we need, the finances that we need. Trust is used in so many areas of our lives and and things that we rely on, that we have confidence in. Throughout their relationship with God, Israel had a tough time trusting him. Even though God had proven himself faithful time and time again, they wouldn't trust him. They had trust issues. But God had been so faithful. I mean, it was there at the Red Sea where where Pharaoh's army was closing in on them that Moses raised the staff of God and God parted the waters. And they entered in on dry ground, walked through, and when Pharaoh's army entered, God let the sea collapse and drowned them. God was faithful there at the Red Sea. When they were thirsty, God allowed water to come from a rock. When they were hungry, God gave them manna from heaven and quail. It wasn't that God had not been faithful. God had been faithful time and time and time again. But humanity has always had a problem trusting God no matter how faithful he is. It's interesting to me that in this particular passage of Scripture that God sends them to spy out the land. God does things so different than I do. God does things very different for me as a parent because I can tell you that there's, there's moments when I, I just want my kids just to, just to jump in, you know. Just, you, you know, it's, it's that perfect example of, of, you know, the father standing in the pool and the, the, the child standing on the ledge of the pool. And the, the dad says, just jump in, just jump in. You want them to learn to swim. And so just jump in, just, just come on in and I'll catch you, you know. And you don't share with them all the dangers, the risks that are involved there. I mean, you don't tell them that you ate just 12 minutes ago and you haven't sat out of the pool for 30 minutes. You could get a cramp. You could both drown in the bottom of the pool. You don't tell them all of that. You know, there are risks involved with this. And so you don't lay it all out. No, it's just, just jump in and I'll catch you. Don't think about it. Just jump and I'll catch you. But that's not what God does here. God says, before you jump in, I want you to see what you're getting yourselves into. So send spies, send 12 spies in. Let them go check out the land. That way they can bring a report back to everyone else. It's just interesting to me because if I'm God, I'm just saying, oh, I've given you this land. You guys go take it. And when they get in the middle of the, uh, uh, of the land, all of a sudden the armies are coming against them and they have no choice. It's, it's, you know, fight or die. And so you're just there, you're thrown into it. And there are times that I know God just kind of throws you into the battle and it's fight or die. You just have to do it. But, but in this particular moment, this is not what God does. God says, I want you to go check out the land. Go, go spy it out. Go see what you're getting yourselves into. 
And sure enough, they check it out, and it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming to the point of exaggeration. We seem like grasshoppers in their eyes and our eyes, just exaggerating. There are armies. There are fortified cities. We cannot conquer this land. And it was only two of the spies that said that they could. And because of that, an entire generation would have to die off before that nation would be able to enter into the promised land. It cost them 40 years because the people believed 10 spies that said, we can't do it. You see, if they wouldn't have known what they were getting themselves into and they walked in and just started defeating armies because it's fight or die, then, then it looks like they are a great nation. And, and when something like that happens, then, then you have no need for God in the equation, or at least that's what we think. We don't need God. Look what we did. But God said, no, I want you to see what you're getting yourselves into. Because it's going to be overwhelming. And at that moment, you're going to have to learn to trust God more than you trust anything else. You're going to have to learn to depend on Him more than you depend on your next breath, understanding that even your next breath comes from Him. If I can understand everything that is going on in my walk with Christ, then I've reduced my God down to my size. If I can understand everything that I'm going through, if I never experience the dark and lonely days, if, if I never experience those times when I can't see what's going to happen, then I have no need to trust him. I have no need to put my faith in him. I've realized in my own life that it, it's important to have parts of my life that are buried in mystery things that I don't get, things that I don't understand. Walking in the unknown is as important as revelation and understanding. And we all know that revelation and understanding is part of God's word. It's part of what he wants for our lives. But I'll, I'll submit to you, church, that it's as important to be able to walk in the mystery of life and not understand it and not get it and not understand what's going to happen and how this outcome is going to be. Proverbs 3 and 5 explains it all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Whatever you choose to lean on is what you allow to support you. If you choose to lean on your career, that's what you choose to support you. If you choose to lean on human relationships, that's what you choose to support you in everything within you. Your entire mentality is affected when those relationships fail. When you're leaning on the career and there's layoffs, this is what you're choosing to support you. Proverbs makes it so plain. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I don't know about you, but my own understanding is what gets me in trouble. My own understanding is what messes me up. It's what messes up my faith in God. What's happening between these two ears right here? This is what causes me problems. Because I try and figure it all out. Lord, I don't want to walk into darkness. I want you to tell me how this is going to end. Lord, I can take a step of faith as long as I know that there's a security net underneath me. Lord, I can do this as long as, and that takes no faith at all. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When you begin to trust God, you are trusting God when it's dark. You're trusting God when there's no way out. You're trusting God when there's no breakthrough. You're trusting God when it's hopeless, helpless. You are trusting God. When there's very little to hold on to. That takes faith. That's learning to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, with your deepest being. And learning to not lean on your own understanding. Think about it. How many blessings have we missed out on because we did not trust God? I think about it in Luke chapter 5. Jesus is ministering to people and they're pressing against him and, and he's getting close to the water's edge. So he steps on Simon Peter's boat and he says, will you launch out so that I can speak to these people? And he launches out and, and he speaks to the people on the shore. And when he finishes, finishes ministering to these people, he looks at, at Simon Peter and he says, cast out into the deep and let's let our nets down. It's been a long night. Simon's been at this all night. He was, he was just cleaning his nets. He, he was getting ready to go home for the day when Jesus showed up. He's like, man, you know, I, I've been out there all day. The fish are not there. They're just not on this side of the lake today. They're not there. I'm tired. I just want to go home. You know, I, I'm in charge of the Zebedee Fishing Company, and trust me, we're not catching anything today. And can you imagine if that's how you make your livelihood, some of you can because you work off commission and the sales just aren't there this month and, and it, it's about to kill you. It's dark. Business is not good. But he says these words and it changes everything because it's this small step of faith. He says, fish, fish aren't there. We haven't caught anything. But nevertheless, whatever you say, and it's almost like he's humoring Christ. If you say it, I'll do it. They launch out, they let their nets down. And because of that simple act of obedience, the Bible says that he brings in so many fish that he has to call his partner's boat over to him so that they can load the fish on that boat. 
And then it doesn't take much for him to be convinced. Come, follow me. I'll make you fisher of men. Or you go to the Old Testament. To the Old Testament book of 2 Kings chapter 5. And you read about the commander of the Syrian army. A guy by the name of Naaman. He was borderline royalty. Naaman was covered with leprosy. Something we don't experience today, but, but fingers and toes and such would fall off as his skin would just rot away. This man was way too important for something like this to affect him. And, and, and just by God's grand design, there is a young Hebrew girl that is working for Naaman's wife. And she says, why doesn't the master just go to, to this prophet in Israel? Named Elisha, he can help this guy. And so he sends messengers, and anyway, they, they get connected some way, somehow. And, and Elisha tells him, go down to that muddy river, the Jordan River, and dip yourself seven times. And Naaman becomes offended. I'm a rich man. Why? Why should I have to dip? There's, there's clean water in my nation. Why would I dip in the muddy Jordan? And finally, some of his servants, they convince him, why don't you, you have nothing to lose here. Why don't you trust him? And he goes and he dips in the river seven times and comes out clean, no leprosy. These things don't happen unless you learn to trust God in your darkest of nights. When there seems to be no hope at all, you trust God. When there is absolutely no evidence of a future for you, when it seems like all hope is lost, it's in that moment when you have to let your faith rise and you have to trust God more than you've ever trusted him before. Faith is not leaning on what you know. This is what messes us up. Faith is trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. That's faith. There was a television program that preceded the 1988 Winter Olympics. This TV show featured blind skiers being trained on the slopes. Each skier was paired with a sighted skier and the blind skiers were taught on the flats how to make right turns and, and left turns. And when they finally mastered that, they were taken to the slope where their sighted partners were, were skiing right beside them. And the sighted partners would, would call out, right, left, left, right. And the blind skiers had no choice but to trust their sighted partner to get to the bottom of that slope. It was either going to be complete and total trust or it was going to be a catastrophe. And they chose to trust them. Sometimes I, I think it's the sighted that have a harder time living by faith. It's those of us that have a mind, which is everybody in this room. We like figuring life out too much, don't we? I want to know what my next step is going to be. I, I don't want to be in darkness. I want to know where I'm heading. And when, when I'm not accomplishing that, then fear sets in. 
And that's when trust has to rise. Faith in a God that you cannot see, but he's never lost sight of you. That's where you have to get. It's not easy, but it's always rewarding every time. It's always rewarding. Today is just a foundation for what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks. God is going to challenge us in some areas of our lives to trust him more than we've ever trusted him before. But it has to start right here in this moment. Trust, even when it doesn't make sense, is what faith truly is. Faith is not showing up to church on a Sunday. Faith is not singing a couple of songs. Faith is not carrying your Bible or even reading your Bible. Faith is trusting in God for the outcome of your life. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.